episode 35. Good morning, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Millennial Economics Podcast. We are doing another Ask Reddit today, and (laughs) I'm stalling, stalling, pulling up the tab on Chrome. Okay, we're there. Um, Thank you, everybody, for tuning in um, to episode 35 of the Millennial Economics Podcast. Um, This morning, we are going to do another answering Reddit episode. Um, We'll get kind of housekeeping out of the way. If you have not visited the website, www.millennialecon.com, I would encourage you to do so. Um, Lots of good content there. There will be more content coming very, very soon, mostly around the topic of cryptocurrency. Um, I am not a expert, but I am dabbling in it myself and have done quite a bit of research in it and want to share some opinions, some knowledge, a resource for you all to go to to learn a little bit about it if you're new to it and haven't kind of gone down that road before. Um, Also, you can subscribe to the newsletter. I send it out every couple weeks, just letting you know kind of what we're doing here at Millennial Economics, give you a place to see the podcast episodes that have come out, any new content that has come out, just kind of the cool things that we're doing. So at the very top of the homepage of the website, again, www.millennialecon.com, you can subscribe with your uh, your email address and, and, and get those updates there. Um, one thing, too, that I want to note in the show notes below, there are lots of goodies, um, some referral links for some platforms that I really like, um, Acorns for beginner investors that want a really easy way to either do roundups, um, invest basically the spare change on the transactions you're already using with your credit or debit card, um, or recurring investments, um, setting up recurring investments, I guess you could say. Um, Acorns is a great beginner app for beginner investors. Um, Also, Yada, which is what I personally use for my high-yield savings account. They kind of gamify the savings process with weekly drawings um, when you have a chance to win legitimately $10 million. (laughs) So it's kind of cool. It makes makes saving fun. Um, And then M1 Finance, as well as down in the show notes, it's what I use for kind of uh, every all of the investing that I do outside of Acorns. Um, they do a pie system, so you create a portfolio and then you can allocate certain percentages for each holding, um, and it makes investing really, really easy as well. So um, each one of those things has kind of a, a spiff or a bonus if you use my referral link or referral code, um, and you can find all of that in the show notes below. I'd highly encourage you to do so if you're considering any of those avenues. But we will hop right into the episode. So the poster titled his post on Reddit, Rent vs. Buy Sanity Check. And we'll read it here. Landlord is selling our house, offered to sell it to us for the appraised price, allowing us to bypass the insane bidding wars that are going on right now with houses consistently going for above asking price. But we're probably going to be moving out of state in two or three years. Obviously not a good time to buy. But doing the math and looking at available rentals, we'd be paying four to five hundred dollars more for that, excuse me, more for rent than we would for mortgage of this place, including taxes and fees. Maintenance and repairs are a concern, of course, as is being able to sell when the time comes. But house prices here are going up and don't show any signs of slowing down. All things considered, we'd strongly rather stay if it won't cost us a ton of money. The available rentals would be a step down in terms of location, commute, and freedom to have things like a dog door or garden beds. We do have enough money to put down a 20% down payment and still have $30,000 left in the bank, not including our retirement funds. Am I totally crazy for considering this? 
And I think this is an interesting post, and I'm realizing that I'm answering lots of real estate questions, but I'm kind of a real estate nut, so it, it, it does make a little bit of sense. Um, but it's an interesting post because I think a lot of people are probably finding themselves maybe in a similar situation. Um, real estate's crazy right now. Lots of people are moving and, and doing deals or considering deals or considering buying my house or, you know, many people are selling and, and they're landlords are considering selling their house. I mean, the real estate market's crazy pretty much in every market right now. Um, so I wanted to take a little bit of time to answer this question. So there are a few things that are really appealing about this transaction or this possible transaction for this poster. And there are a few red flags, and then I'll give kind of my overall opinion on what I would personally do. Um, so the the great thing is passing by the, the market right now. So I believe it said the landlord offered the property at the appraised price. So a couple things come to mind here. Number one, um, appraisals oftentimes come in much lower, especially right now when the market is going crazy. The appraisal is coming in much lower than what the individual actually offered for the house. Okay, And so what's this causing is when you offer, let's say, 300000 there will be an appraisal waiver and say, okay, well, we'll pay cash anything over the appraised price up to $20,000. Essentially what this means is during the, the closing process, if the house is appraised for $280,000, well, the bank is only going to lend you money for $280,000. It kind of protects them um, on their quote-unquote investment, right? Um, but if you agreed to pay $30,000 for the house, then you have to come up with cash at closing, you literally have to pay cash for the difference, and it would be $20,000. So a lot of people are putting these waivers into their offers. I'll give you another scenario. So say, for instance, you offered $300,000 for a home. You put a $20,000 appraisal waiver in there saying you'll pay the difference up to $20,000 cash, but the house only appraises for $250,000. Well, the seller of that house might pull back their your offer and say, hey, we're not going to go with you. We're going to go with somebody else because we want $300,000. And right now, our house appraised for two fifty, um, and you're only going to pay up to twenty thousand dollars more of the appraisal, so we're only going to get two hundred and seventy, right? So maybe they'll try to find an offer that is uh, that the person's willing to pay that additional fifty thousand dollars for the home. This is happening a lot right now because home prices are going up so quickly and so dramatically. Okay, so a couple things this situation would would help the the seller with, or excuse me, the buyer. They would get it at the appraised price, which is probably a little bit lower than what it actually um, is worth. Okay, um, they would be able to skip out on the whole bidding war thing, right? So you wouldn't have to get into a bidding war. Um, you wouldn't be rushed to look at a home and put an offer on it that day for an absurd amount that you probably have to offer over asking and may have to, you know, pay more than what you really want to because you're in a bidding war with somebody else that fell in love with the house. Right, so that's also appealing. Some other things that are appealing is they already live there, right? So they're not going to have to move and pay for all of that, all of those expenses. Um, it seems, based off of their post, that they like where they live. If they're going to go rent, it's going to be a downgrade in a lot of areas, whether it be location, commute, freedom to have things like dog doors or garden beds, um, what have you. So there are a lot of things that are very appealing about this transaction that I think they could really capitalize and have a fantastic. Um, it would be a fantastic deal for them that they would be getting a great deal, a fair price for a home, um, if they're paying, paying the appraised price, and it has a lot of things that they already like. They like living there. The only red flag that I have here is they say we're probably going to be moving out of state in two or three years. 
They're probably going to be moving out of state in two to three years. The risk, there is risk here. So if they go in and buy at the top of the market, which we don't know if if the real estate market is topped out, we don't know if it's going to crash tomorrow or if it's going to crash in 20 years or if it ever will. We don't know, right? So it's all speculation. But when you're planning on buying a home and moving in two to three years, you run the risk of having negative equity and having to basically pay to sell the house because you owe more than what you could get for it. So this is the major risk. And so what I would tell the poster is what does probably mean, right? We need a little bit more information. You know, is is probably 90% likely we have something coming down the road that we know is coming down the road and we're going to have to move. Um, or is probably, well, we're toying around with the idea of moving, but we've lived in this town for, you know, 15 years and it probably won't happen. You know, what is probably... Um, so I would advise the poster to take a look at their life and where they think they'll be in two to three years. If it is likely that you will move, if it's more likely that you will move in two to three years out of state than you'll stay, I would probably advise to rent because there's a lot of risk involved with that transaction. The market is crazy right now. Chances are it's not going to be this crazy for forever, right? It Chances are real estate values aren't going to increase year over year the amount they're increasing right now. So you're taking a big risk on losing a lot of money. Now, if you're willing to take that risk and you're in a financial place where you could absorb it, it seems like they're they're doing okay. They have 20% down they could put on the house. They also have an extra $30,000 in the bank outside of retirement. You know, maybe that's a risk that they're willing to take. It's a $10,000 risk or a $20,000 risk they're willing to take in three years. Well, that's up to you and where your what your financial goals are and where you are in your financial journey. Um, but that would be that would be my recommendation. Now, if there's a chance that they can stretch that out to a few more years, um, then I would say go for it. I think it's a heck of a deal. I think it's a heck of a deal. But the only contingency is how likely are you to move in two or three years? So that's all I got for you. Um, love talking real estate. We have some content on the website about real estate. Um, if you have questions, if you have a scenario that you're going through right now, buying a house, selling a house, renting versus buying, if a house is a good deal, how to know if a house is a good deal, all of that, um, feel free to email me. Um, contact millennialecon at gmail.com. We'd love to answer that question in one of the podcast episodes. Uh, but again, thanks again for tuning into episode 35, and we will talk soon.